The views and opinions expressed during I and the Triangle do not represent WKNC or the student media. Your dial is currently tuned to I and the Triangle at WKNC 88.1. Thanks for listening. I'm Aaron Kling with WKNC 88.1's Eye on the Triangle, and I'm speaking with a student at North Carolina State University who has chosen to remain unnamed about the college's response to COVID-19. How are you doing today? Hi, uh, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty well myself. As well as one can be in a pandemic, I suppose. (laughs) So how are things on the ground there? You've been going to class for about two weeks now, right? All of my classes were in person. It's so strange. It's so surreal because you walk in to the classroom and there's markers where you should sit. But honestly, it didn't feel far enough spaced to me because apparently six feet is the standard. And then you would sit like one desk away from someone else, which felt more like two or three feet. Luckily, I'm going to school with my roommate. (laughs) So if she gets COVID, I get COVID. It's fine. I mean, it's not fine. But we have to joke a little, right? The kind of roommate status in living, and a lot of students have had to be roommates before, that's intact? Are there any changes on that end with housing? I think it's only one person to a room, at least on campus. But my roommate and I were like, nah, we're going to go off campus because it seems a little chaotic right now. So yeah, we kind of chose off campus because we definitely felt more safe there. The classrooms have marked seating, but to me, it didn't seem like enough space but then again, I'd only been in a few different classrooms, so I haven't seen like you know, all the classrooms on campus. But the ones that I was exposed to, I didn't feel very safe. I guess I'll start with just the physicality of the classroom. It's definitely strange to see professors standing behind like a plexiglass shield. They're the president and they're going to get assassinated. <laughs> but some of them choose to wear masks while they do it. Some of them choose to wear face shields, but all of them have some sort of face covering, which is good. It makes listening to a lecture kind of hard. I have like an 80-year-old professor who is constantly joking about dying in class. And I'm super uncomfortable, like not uncomfortable, but like, I'm like, do I laugh? Do I laugh? And he often makes jokes. He's like, yeah, I prefer in-person teaching. And like, they have this thing that looks like kind of like a whiteboard, like it's on wheels and you can move it around with you as you walk. My professor was like, ah, I don't think this is going to help. And I was like, oh my goodness, I feel so bad for this 80-year-old man teaching an in-person class right now. So the professor actually said that the materials provided, he didn't really feel like they were going to help him out too much. Yeah, I mean, he did in a way. Like, he was like, I'm not going to move this around because I feel like it's pointless. Pretty old school. So he's having people go up and do presentations behind what is supposed to be the protective barrier. I'll walk into the classroom, that specific classroom in that specific building. And every time I went there, which was maybe four or five times in the last two weeks, there has been like no hand sanitizer in any of the dispensers. Maybe I was just unlucky, but that feels like too much of a coincidence for me to have tried to use the hand sanitizer at multiple different entry points, multiple different times and not get any. So that's a concern. Wait a minute. You're saying that there are dispensers that have actually been placed 
all around the school. Yes. These dispensers don't actually have any kind of disinfectant inside of them. Do you see a lot of people using them? Trying to. Not being loaded quickly enough. Yeah, as far as I can see. Yeah, I mean, like, if it was once or twice, I could write it off as, oh, maybe I just caught it at an off time. Every time when you try to use the hand sanitizer dispenser and there's none, it's a little concerning. Do you see any signs that uh, maintenance or janitorial services have increased? Do you see that railings are being wiped down or windows are being washed or desks are being cleaned and sanitized? I can't say that I've seen it in person. You know, they say they're doing it. Um, I haven't seen it. There was an instance on the first day of class where we were in the wrong room and they moved us to a different room and that room was right across the hall. And I could see that nobody went to sanitize that room that we were in, like the one we were accidentally in. But yeah, I haven't seen, in like at least I haven't seen anything like that. And you're saying students are packed too closely together? Yes, I think so. If we're going strictly by CDC guidelines and where you're supposed to have six feet of space around you, that's very rare in a classroom. I'm in a class of like 30 people in like an auditorium instead of like the normal classroom space you'd be in. But still, even with the marked seating, it doesn't feel far enough. Two to three feet away from the next person. So how are the students dealing with this? Are they blowing it off? Yes, I think in a way the younger students are. Greek life doesn't seem to be taking it very seriously. I do see people wearing masks. Like I think the students who care, like while they're on campus attending class, if they do in person, they'll put their mask on maybe just due to social pressure. <laughs> but I guess it's like the off-campus parties and socializing that freshmen or younger underclassmen or even upperclassmen, I guess, are apt to do. Um, just as part of the normal college experience. You shove a bunch of 20-somethings into a space when they've been isolated to their families for like six months. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, seems like everybody's living it up. I'm certainly not. My roommate and I, I only hang out with her, it feels like. We just got notified of two clusters not too long ago of different cases. I think it was off-campus housing and then a fraternity house. We got sent an email by the university August 19th, and it's read, NC State has identified two additional clusters of COVID-19. They are in the Alpha Delta Pi sorority house and the Kappa Delta sorority house. Alpha Delta Pi sorority had seven positive cases and Kappa Delta had six. We got an email today at 2.33, 40 minutes ago as of this recording. Oh, they've actually identified three COVID-19 clusters in off-campus in Greek housing villages that can be, and this is word for word, that can be traced to parties and behavior outside of our community standards and the government's mandates. But NC State hasn't actually closed these sorority houses down. Or they didn't prior to these outbreaks. Uh, I don't think so. At least they haven't told the general student body if these sorority houses or fraternity houses are like quarantining. You would think they were, but we haven't had any like clear communication about that. So sanitizer dispensers being regularly empty, unable to service yourself and other students around you. You've described professors who are quite advanced in years, who don't really feel like any of the equipment provided to them is gonna be enough. You've described classes that have prepared and have gotten distance between students, but those students are still too close together. They're not actually six feet apart. You've mentioned that there's been outbreaks in sorority houses. Do you feel safe? The answer that I wish I could give is yes. But no, especially with like the lack of communication. And I understand this is a difficult time. This is unprecedented, as you hear in every news broadcast. But I don't know. I 
it, part of me feels like we shouldn't have been back on campus at all. Do you feel that you're at risk of actually being infected? Do you feel these measures are going to be enough to delay or even prevent your infection? Well, the measures that are taken by the university alone, most likely not. But I have my own measures, you know? Uh, you have to kind of be responsible for yourself. Wear your mask, bring hand sanitizer, wash your hands frequently. But no, if I was relying only on the university standards and the precautions that they implemented, at least at the beginning of this semester, I would be very afraid of being infected. During this, I'm seeing this kind of connecting thread with a lot of people. Your professor was joking around. Even you are joking around in conversation, and you've mentioned other students have also been using humor to try to diffuse their nerves. Do you feel that humor is kind of the only thing you can fall back on in the face of administration that is not necessarily taking care of its students? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to call it gallows humor because that feels a little morbid, but every group chat or hallway conversation or like five minutes before class starts is just filled with, hey, what's everybody's bets on when we're going all online or things like that. I don't know. It's just like hearing it, it's it is kind of sad that all we can do is really joke about it and just be like, it is what it is. Then after the jokes are done, once period begins, everybody files in, they keep their masks on, and they sit down. And you mentioned gallows humor, but gallows humor is sort of what we're dealing with here. That's kind of all you can do. Much. What do you wish that your schooling experience could be like? Well, I mean, like any other college kid hopes for, you know, like meeting people my age, Having new experiences, things that I wouldn't experience, whether it be a hometown or like a home state, making new friends, all of that seems a little impossible right now. We do our best, of course, like professors still have us do icebreakers and some people talk from like across study lounges. I'm sorry, what's an icebreaker look like under COVID? I mean, kind of normal. The question of two truths and a lie or whatever. I remember I had a professor being like, it's going to be hard for me to remember names, so if you wear, like, the same type of mask every day, let me know, and I'll be on the lookout for that type of mask. Oh, that's your ideal college experience, but we know that we don't exactly live in an ideal time. Unprecedented is what you called it. So my question to you is, what would your ideal COVID college experience be? Well, nothing about COVID is ideal, like you said, but that's tough because it's hard you know, I truly do think the administration is trying its best. It's just, okay, so they're trying their best, but their best isn't good enough. So my ideal would be, I think we should all be online. I think maybe we should be more responsible for organizing extracurricular like Zooms or something. That sounds like kind of nightmarish, but kind of the only thing we can do. I mean, I, I really do think we should be online. The selfish part of me is like, oh, I really want to be like on campus, right? Like I pay all this money and got accepted. This is my college experience. I want to be on campus. But if it's not safe for others and ultimately not safe for me and my family, like idea of a college experience is worth that. It's worth risking your safety or your family's safety. You feel that your schooling experience has deprived you of the ability to visit your parents. That's funny you ask. My roommate just went home. She offered to give me a ride and... I said no, because I was like, I really don't want to go home right now. My parents are older. They're in their early 60s. So I'm not, I mean, there's all this news about like you could have it and not even know. And it's got such a long incubation period. I'm not willing to go home and risk exposing my parents to it. 
So I'm actually staying home this weekend, and, and I probably won't be going home for a while. <laughs> yeah, so other students are no doubt experiencing the same thing that you're discussing here, who are making a choice. But is it actually a choice between putting your parents at risk or just not seeing them? Sure, you could physically go there and, and talk to them and, and hang out with them, but if the risk is them contracting COVID, which can be an awful disease for people who don't have the immunity or even for people who do and who are unlucky. I mean, I could go home if I wanted to, but I don't want, I don't want to put them at risk. So I guess if I had to say yes or no to that question, I would say yes. So I recently heard that the administration was moving all undergrad courses online. How do you feel about this? I think it was a smart decision. There's been some talk among me and my fellow students wondering why they let us come back if it was just going to be for two weeks. And a lot of people are thinking it's financial. They just wanted to get past the census date to make sure students were enrolled. If that's the truth, that's sad that they had us come back for such a brief time just for that. In the email that they sent out about moving undergrad online, they did say that undergraduates are welcome to stay in their on-campus housing, at least for the time being. So I guess that they're not kicking us out entirely into the cold. Say entirely? Through a deadline eventually? I guess that there's more clusters. I mean, the clusters right now, at least the ones we've been told about, are limited to off-campus housing and the Greek village. Um, I imagine if it starts getting worse in the dorms, it's only a matter of time before they send us home again. Right. And let's talk about those outbreaks for a moment. Those clusters that we've been discussing, the three, I guess, as of the information you just got. So COVID-19 can be very quiet in the immune system for three, four days without any kind of symptoms. And some people remain asymptomatic carriers and never actually gain any kind of outward signs of the disease. Is it possible that these clusters may have infected many, many more students that currently aren't being tracked? Is NC State conducting any kind of trace and tracking? Well, they tell us they are. Um, it's entirely possible that these clusters have infected hundreds of people, caused a really big chain. And that's if we're lucky and they decided to wear masks and wash their hands and stay six feet apart while they didn't know that they were infected. NC State did say that they were doing contact tracing, but they had a qualifying statement to that. So let me look and see what the exact words were. Have you personally been tested? Do you have any friends or students that have been tested? I personally have not been tested. Haven't heard of anybody being tested or going to get a test. Yeah, I mean, that's that hasn't exactly been something that a lot of people have been doing. So any tests that occur are post-symptomatic? Most likely, yes. And that's concerning on multiple levels. <laughs> I'm Aaron Kling with WKNC 88.1's Eye in the Triangle, and I'm currently speaking with Sarah Newton, the technician's copy desk chief and a student here at North Carolina State. And we're here talking about COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, and its effects on NC State and how the administration has been responding Sarah, what do you have for us? Well, if you can call it a response, you definitely can, but I don't personally call it much of a response. I call it a lack of response, if anything, because the campus just seems so obsessed with trying to keep everything behind closed doors, trying to keep everyone out of the loop in order to 
I guess, work through things themselves, trying to figure things out and then not tell us until the very last minute. So I definitely think the campus's response has been lacking in a lot of ways, especially with communication, telling whether it be staff or faculty or just students in general what's going on. The fact that so many students had to beg for clusters to be announced whenever they were and for updates on like how housing was going to work and how prorated refunds would work and stuff like that. Personally, I think there could have been a much stronger response to this at the very beginning of the year, if not months in advance. The 27th of August, the date of this recording, a lot has changed in NC State from their original attempt to bring everybody back into classes and have kind of a combination online and in-person where they could sort of semester. I believe everyone is being removed from housing. Undergrads are fully online now, and we are having a two-day break next week to give everyone time to reorient. Sarah, anything I missed? No, I think that's it. I mean, we have 24 plus clusters in different parts of housing, including residence halls and stuff. I just think it's crazy how much has happened within like a week of itself. We've gotten maybe 15 of those clusters in like the last five, six days, coming in at six and seven at a time. It's a lot. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Do you feel that a lot of this could have been predicted coming into the school year? Me and my roommates have been playing this game and it's called, when do you think the school is going to shut down? And we've been playing it since probably a month before school started when they were still like, yeah, we're going to meet and it's going to be in person and it's going to be super great. And we immediately started the bets of when do you think school is going to shut down? And my bets have been on the second week of school for a few months now. So the fact that we got to the third was impressive, honestly, before they kicked us off campus. Is impressive really the word? Maybe not. Maybe sad, depressing. The fact that we had to get this far and that this many people had to get sick or put into isolation and quarantine for the campus to actually do something is ridiculous in my opinion. Sarah, why do you think we're here? I think that they view every single individual student. There's about 30,000 of us on campus right now. They view every one of us as a dollar sign. The fact that even in Randy Woodson's, he released a... um, a statement yesterday about housing closing down and everything. And he still made a whole deal about how, oh, even though you'll get some of your funds back for housing, it won't be everything because we have funds we need to take care of. It's treating students like pieces of meat almost, something that's not to be cared about unless they're getting something out of us. Yeah, fair, very fair. You mentioned that the release of information about contact tracing was something that students had to fight for. Could you go into that a little bit more? Well, before they started to finally release cluster updates, their actual contact tracing platform, their dashboard, was weak at best. We had other schools in the state like UNC with super strong dashboards that were telling you exactly how many students were in isolation, how many quarantine households were still left over, how many clusters they'd seen, where these clusters were located. The only thing we were getting was through the grapevine of, oh, I heard someone from like Wolf Village got COVID. Stuff like that. We were never getting actual information from the university until we basically demanded it. And then almost as soon as it was stated like, oh, we're going to start giving you updates, they started rolling in, which makes me wonder how many of those things they already knew about before they actually gave us updates on it. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard that UNC has encountered their own difficulties and their own journalist groups actually had a pretty searing indictment against the administration in one of their releases. I heard that Duke has actually been doing fantastic at this. And I'm out here in the middle of the country currently, and KU is, is basically going through the exact same thing that NC State is, where 
the belief was let's just cross our fingers, bring everyone back. We're going to social distance. We're going to put masks on, but it hasn't been enough. It just has not been enough. Clusters are popping up all over the place. No, I totally agree. When you have schools like Duke who are more private, they definitely have more access to facilities and stuff like that where they can check the temperatures of every student before they go to class every day. And they can make sure that every worker is healthy and getting COVID tested. While here, COVID testing is something you have to like request almost. If you're feeling sick, you're allowed to go to the student health services and be like, I feel sick, I might have COVID-19. But At the same time, it should be something that should be more open to the general public. We have a new program that they've been testing a certain group of students and faculty and staff once a week, every week, to see how it spreads, I guess, within the student body. But the fact that so many people were turned away from that study, the fact that so many people can't get COVID tested unless they're showing symptoms just seems absolutely crazy to me, especially when we're on a campus that's so worried about being in constant contact with one another. What is this group? Is it a kind of control group? Are these canaries in the coal mine? Are these people who are placed in areas where they could possibly be indicators for more infections in that kind of region? So basically what happened was they had this form and you could sign up to be a part of this group. And then all you do is you go about your daily life. They definitely look apparently for people that are more involved around more people. So people in the dining halls that are working there or teachers with larger classrooms that might be meeting in person. People that are meeting a lot of different people are kind of preferred, but they want students, faculty, and staff. And basically what they do is every week they test them for COVID, and then they use that to help with their contact tracing program to help them figure out how it's spread, where it's spreading, who is spreading it. It's been students, 100%. Some consider Greek Village off-campus. I personally don't. I still consider them an on-campus facility because they're run by campus money and hold only campus people. But it's almost all completely students. It's people that are constantly breathing down each other's necks because they have no other option. With, I want to say, six residence halls have been involved, if not more, and even more fraternity and sorority houses because these people are just on top of each other. NC State didn't do much to try to alleviate the amount of people they're having in each of these facilities. So it's just, it's people sharing public bathrooms with one another, people that are eating around each other constantly, stuff like that. You've actually had in-person classes, of course. So like on the ground. What's it like going to a class that is trying to enact these social distancing protocols? What do the people look like? How are the professors? How are the students? I've had two very different experiences because I've had abnormal psychology, which was very face-to-face person class, just a very general class. There's about 30 of us. They had seat markers in the classrooms, like where you're allowed to sit. The teacher was behind a plexiglass shield and was wearing a face mask and stuff like that. And While that was really all fine and good, there was talk that every room was supposed to be getting sanitization stations. I didn't see one in my room personally. Like there was nothing to like wipe down seats with before we could leave or even as we entered. I think there was a hand sanitizer in the back of the room, but it was so far back and you'd have to actually walk up and down between people around you. You're already advised not to do much more than go to your seat. So it definitely was a little more lackluster than it was played out to be. But then I'm in the marching band and there's 300 of us meeting face to face. 300 at six feet spacing? There were 300 of us and we had to just 
keep six feet distance. We were usually in blocks so that we do four by four blocks in marching band, which is equal to over six feet distance between students. When we would move around to go to other stations or go get water and stuff like that, it's so hard with so many people on a field. And so we're constantly bumping into each other. Even though they're wearing masks and everything, it's still like there's just constant contact. And we were supposed to eventually actually play instruments on the field around each other. And while they were supposed to be getting us protective masks and guards and stuff, well, I felt like that was a really strong push from within the department because the department did, in fact, hire certain scientists that are trained in the passage of like diseases from one person to another and stuff. They did hire certain scientists like that. At the same time, it just felt like it wasn't enough because we would be con- we're constantly breathing on each other. We're running around. There were certain people on the field that weren't wearing masks and it was ridiculous it was definitely not as well thought out as it could have been which i feel like is the theme for most of nc state's issues currently is that the not enough thought was put into the process it was just kind of a eh, you got this have you uh, been able to get in touch with any of these epidemiologists i personally have not so there's this acc marching band group between like the directors and they're the ones that personally hired them and they showed us like the actual studies themselves it felt very based like it was something they were working on over the summer but it felt like there just wasn't enough time put into the study to really think about what could happen especially with how unknown COVID-19 is as a disease and how it spreads another question what's the mood like how's everyone taking this we're all aware of what's going on it's all over the news constantly I think the mood has only gotten worse. Well, so it was definitely at the beginning of the quarantine in March. Honestly, I feel like a lot of people were like, oh yeah, like this is super sad, but everyone was kind of like, oh, it's like a nice break. People were treating it more like an extended spring break than they really were treating it like a quarantine due to a disease taking over our country. And it just made me so angry. And then as time passed and people started to realize that this was a lot more serious than they'd been taking it, I feel like the mood dampened and dampened and dampened. Somehow sensing that mood, our school like took it and was like, oh, but things are going to go right back to normal. I guess trying to build that mood and make it better. And I guess it probably worked for all of two seconds because, you know, that first day you arrive back on campus and you're finally seeing people for the first time and you're finally getting to go to school face-to-face and stuff is, like, really exciting. And you're like, oh, wow, we're finally doing this. I'm finally back. Things are going back to normal. But then I feel like that attempt ended up darkening the mood a lot because suddenly it was, our school doesn't care about us. We're not being taken care of. They're not considering our safety over money. And I feel like at this point, the mood is just completely in the ditches. Everyone is just upset. And there's constantly this blame game being thrown around of whose fault it is, whether that's the administration or fraternity and sorority life or just students who are going out and partying people not doing their jobs it's just this constant argument now that it's just it makes it so rough to continue things like they're supposed to the previous guest said there was a kind of feeling of dark humor throughout both the faculty and the student body have you encountered anything like that i definitely think a dark humor aspect is something that definitely sticks out to me. It feels like people are just so unsure of what's happening at this point that they're trying to make jokes about it. They made a bingo sheet, our different halls that were finding clusters, and then you would 
X through the bingo hall each time one had a cluster until somebody got bingo. Stuff like that. It just seems like people are really trying to lighten the mood, even though none of us are really on the same page at this point. Like pen and paper. I think it was on Reddit. So it was technically like electronic. You would like mark through it on your like screen or whatever. As time passed, people would post the thing, but with red X's through the ones that had clusters, stuff like that. Oh, that is grim. (laughs) How have professors been handling this? You've talked a lot about students and, and your own thoughts, but the faculty, they kind of find themselves mashed between the student body and the administration. Experiences there? I personally have had a really good experience with faculty this semester. All my teachers have been super understanding. I know a lot of them are also trying to get used to it, same as students. Like, they're in the same boat as us. They're not given a lot of information either. They're not getting what they need to to keep teaching these classes to the best of their ability. And I definitely feel like a lot of them are also learning Zoom at the same time we're all learning how to Zoom together and use Moodle and be constantly online, that I feel like it's almost like this partnership at this point that you can email a teacher. I think every syllabus I've read this semester has said, by the way, if you have any health concerns or if you're having issues due to this disease, email, we can totally work something out. Like I definitely feel like there's this understanding now where this faculty is just trying to get by. And I almost feel bad for them because they're working so hard to make our experience good, but they're still so in the dark about everything going on. And yet, that disconnect still remains between the faculty and the administration, the same disconnect that actually is present between the student body and the administration. Today, as we were discussing earlier, there is a break that was announced for Monday and Tuesday, so everyone can kind of reorganize themselves after being kicked out of housing. Well, kicked is a bit of a strong word, but people gotta go. These clusters are only getting worse. And I found myself talking to my professors, hey, uh, we have some assignments due on these days. What is going to happen there? And a lot of the professors responded that they weren't even told that there was going to be this kind of break, that the information was just released to the actual environment, the general ecosystem, and then I was the one who was circulating it to them in the end. I actually found out about this about two minutes before the email came out from a friend who was like, hey, by the way... My teacher just informed us because they just found out that they're going to have a break. And then about two minutes after he said that, it was for having the two-day break. But yeah, no, I definitely feel like administration is almost purposely keeping the faculty out of the loop because they don't want people to see them scrambling to get things together. Because I think at this point, they're just so discombobulated as a group that they're trying their hardest to keep face no matter what that means for the students and for the faculty and for all the people that just need to know what's going on. I feel like they're on the same page, if not less of a page than us, because at least we often have each other. We have the grapevine to constantly be communicating with one another and to know what's going on. But faculty doesn't really have that. I mean, you have the people kind of in your department, maybe, or people you've made friends with or close with within your department and stuff, but I feel like they just don't have the same community that's available to us as students with 30,000 kids on campus. I feel our administration is trying to maintain a sense of professionalism, order, dignity, to justify the expenses, the, the student loans, the housing costs? Oh, 100%. I definitely feel like they're doing everything in their power to make this seem less like an absolute mess than it is. Because the more of a mess it is, the more likely it is that people are going to demand money. If the school seems like it's known this from the beginning, then it makes more sense. Then they're justified. And they've known that this is going to happen all along. So obviously they knew when they asked for the tuition in the first place. So why would you ask for it back? 
when in fact I don't think they really predicted what they were going to be doing or how fast this was going to take wing within the school. And I feel like that says a lot about our administration because there was one of two issues here. Either A, the administration knew its students and knew the fact that this was going to become a mess almost immediately because as college students, there's just always going to be that 1% of people that are going to mess it up, that aren't going to wear their masks, that are going to go out and party, that are going to do something or the other. And that 1% can ruin it for 100% of the people because just one person has to get it and spread it to their roommate who spreads it to their classmates who spreads it on from there. And the fact that administration didn't consider that makes it one of two things. Either A, they considered it and they just decided they didn't care enough to actually do anything about it. Or B, they don't know their students well enough to actually do anything about it. And why would we want people that don't even understand student life to be our administration? Additional thing I want to talk to you about. We both know that a lot of professors are uh, advanced in age. Many of them are. Do you feel concerned for them? Considering what COVID has always been discussed as targeting? Oh, I definitely feel concerned for them. I currently have a professor, my time professor, he's an older gentleman, and he's so nice and so friendly. But he obviously had to make his class online. And because of health concerns, like I'm so worried that thankfully, most of them are tenured, which means they have more of a say and where they can take place, whether they teach online classes or face to face classes. I almost worry more for them in the fact of them having to learn things like Zoom. The fact that they're having to learn all of these new technologies and applications without any sort of heads up is what I worry the most about. I personally have a professor who has to have his daughter come to class every single day to help him work Zoom because he just cannot figure it out. And it's so sad to see him have to sit there and think things through and figure out how everything is supposed to work when he's just trying to like teach us. But safety-wise, the people I'm the most concerned for are non-tenured professors. The people that were more or less forced to teach face-to-face because you can be fired if you refuse. Things like that. They're the ones that don't really have as much of a say in what their job description is. They kind of get pushed around to the point that they're just told, oh, you're teaching face-to-face class. I don't really care if you want to or not. That's just something that's always worried me about having the tenured versus non-tenured argument is we use non-tenured professors as kind of like the cattle of the faculty. They're required to do everything, even if they can't. I'm seeing a recurring theme here as you talk to me, to kind of zoom out in our conversation. You mentioned that the student body was kind of being treated like meat, and that professors are being treated as cattle, especially non-tenured professors who don't really have much of a say in what happens to them until they finally can get that magic tenure. Is this just how things are going? Is NC State just becoming a big cattle pen. In my opinion, I think NC State has been a cattle pen for a lot longer than we've really considered, but it took something like a pandemic to really show the true colors of this university. Because at the end of the day, you really think about what we're charged to come to the school, where we get charged fees, we have no clue where they go, we get charged all these things, and everything is about money. We require first years to live on campus, supposedly for the first year experience. But in reality, it's because we need higher housing costs and stuff like that. I think it's just showing the issues we already have in a a defunct group of people that we're, at the end of the day, always going to be dollar signs in the eyes of administration. The people that are getting paid the big bucks to basically tell us to be better or 
to yell at us and wag their finger and pretend like they actually have an opinion. At the end of the day, it all comes down to communication and learning our place within the university, understanding that while we can argue that the university is doing their best, I feel like their best isn't enough at this point. Perhaps we should change the statement from doing their best to doing their best within the realm of also being a revenue-generating business. Yeah, 100%. Thank you very much. I'm Aaron Kling with WKNC 88.1's Eye on the Triangle. I just finished speaking with Sarah Newton at NC State University. We've been talking about how the administration has been handling and has failed to handle the current pandemic, COVID-19. Thank you very much, everyone.